This week's episode is brought to you by Seeking.com. You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, just go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram, or you can join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. I'm excited because our wine is finally expanding. We no longer have just the four OGs. We now have a new, very special, oops. we now have a new, very special limited edition Potomac can that says, drag me, I dare you, and it is delicious. And it's stronger than the original four because now we're 14% alcohol. So you're gonna get Liddy City all summer long on sale right now. Go to nofilterwine.com. I'm really excited for today's guest. You may know her as an irreverent shrink and an LA Times bestselling author. She's whipped many celebs into gear from helping couples on WeTV to solving Gorga family drama on The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Here to serve it to me straight, please welcome the host of The Tea with Dr. V, the Dr. V. Oh, thank you for having me. And um, I should take you everywhere for that introduction. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Welcome to my new studio, Dr. V. Mm. Cheers. I love the new studio. Are we starting early here? Um, it's a Friday. And I it feel is Friday. Like I so should I feel open like up one of these wines as well. Liddy City. And I have, um, I'm ready to mention it all. I feel like that's your vibe. That's why I gave you that can. Because you always Brilliant. spill the tea every time we're together. And you always yeah. give it to me straight, too. Yeah. You always tell me like when I'm choosing the fuck boys and I shouldn't be choosing the fuck boys. Yeah. So have you been doing that lately? A little bit. Oh, tell us. A little bit. Well, first, I want to talk tell. about. I want to talk about your new podcast. Wait, let me drink. Because I've been this. listening. Okay, step it. Do some ASMR. Mmm. Oh wow. Yeah. They're stronger now. Oh I, The wow. ones I originally sent you were twelve point eight percent alcohol, and these are now fourteen percent. Wow, I got shit face on the twelve. <laughs> It's funny. People would send me like DMs and be like, I didn't realize that because they're small. So because yeah. they're meant to like pack a punch. I sneak yeah. them into like my Ubers, wherever I go, I get <laughs> high on my own supply. Um, so they're meant to be compact, but they they pack the punch. Dr. Mm. And not only that, they're delicious. Thank you. And I, I just really love it. It's refreshing. Thank you. It's like a nice, refreshing Thing to be drinking and there's no sugar so you're not going to be hungover you're not you'll get oh, lady wow. city but you're not going to be hungover tomorrow i promise wow. i've i've had many a drinks with many a friends i mean it's one o'clock here so i suppose i could drink i could just chug the whole thing if i wanted to <laughs> well okay so you have a new podcast you've joined the podcasting game yes the tea with dr v mm -hmm. i listened to it i listened to you grow francesca i had i had harry in studio mm. so i got the opposing side of that um that showdown between the two of them. But talk to me about this new podcast that you have. You have so many celeb interviews. You get them to be so open and vulnerable. I feel like everybody cries on your show all the time. <laughs> well, it's about discovering the things you never knew about mm -hmm. the people you do. Mm -hmm. And so um, people come on the podcast really for the safe space. Um, and we get to learn things about people that we see in the media that we think we know, mm -hmm. um, and they tell us perhaps something about themselves that we never knew, and we get to see a different side of them. And uh, this could be people who were controversial, who were misaligned in the media, um, and so it seems to be coming this place. It's becoming this place where people come to to really uh, explore and share a different side of themselves. Mm. And uh, I've been having such a ball. I've been having a really good time. Uh, everyone was pushing me for years to do, to do a, a podcast. podcast. And to be honest, I was busy doing everybody else's. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's true. I mean, I must have been on someone's podcast three or four times per week. 
Yeah. Um, and then finally, my agent was like, look, I have, you know, a great deal for you. And I think you should get into it. And I, I, I think you'll love it. And so uh, I started it and I really do enjoy it. I really do. I, I love um, interviewing in a different kind of way mm-hmm. than you would perhaps in a therapeutic setting. Right. Um, it's a different skill set. You're listening for different things. So for someone like me who loves to learn something new, um, and I'm not a scared, I'm not scared to struggle with it. I'm not scared to look like a fool. For God's sake, I've made a career out of failing. Um, <laughs> so I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. The Tea with Dr. V. It's very different from TV though, right? Which you've done for many, many years. Mm. But now I feel like when you have your own podcast, like you are in more control of the actual content and the conversations. Was that kind of new for you directing and hosting? Because I feel like when I'm hosting, I have to have like 15 different tabs open in my brain all the time. I have to be like watching the time and looking at the guest and making sure I still look hot on camera. Like there are just so many (laughs) things that go through your head. Was it a natural transition for you? Um, Yeah, it was really natural for me. And I think that uh, coming from a television background, I still, had my hands in all of that um, because I'm that kind of a person um, where I have to know everything. I, I love learning. And so for, for it, it, it kind of feels very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's not much different for me. And it's available on all podcast platforms, yeah. right? Yeah. Wherever so if they're listening can, yeah. to this right now, they can go and listen to the tea with Dr. V yeah. and leave you a five-star review. People don't know the value of five-star reviews on iTunes. Yeah, they don't. So go and listen. You just had Chloe on your show. I saw Chloe from yes. Too Hot to Handle and yes. The Circle. I love Chloe. She... You made her cry too. Yeah. Are you going to make me cry today? <laughs> well, we're drinking. So the answer could be yes <laughs> <Probably>. or no. <laughs> We might hit it off and go out later, or we're going to sit here and cry the whole night. Oh my God, I love it. So yeah, okay. So available on all podcast platforms, The Tea with Dr. V. Are you ready to answer some hot topics with me? Oh, let's do it. We have so many celebrity couples that are making so many headlines, and I need to get your perspective because I naturally have so many unfiltered opinions myself, but people are tired of hearing mine. I want to know what you think about Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. I mean, Hmm. we all know he has a terrible back tattoo, but (laughs) they were together back in the day. They've reignited. Some people are suspecting that it's a PR stunt. But what is your take on J-Lo and Ben Affleck? And then we'll talk about like relation, like getting back with your ex. Hmm. Well, my take is uh, that they have been longtime friends. Uh, They've been in communication for for years, for, for decades. I mm-hmm. mean, God, when was Benefer for us? I, I'm much older than you. I think I was maybe in my, was I in my thirties? Was it 20 years ago? Was it 20 years ago? It could already? be, it could be. And so the, the point that I'm getting at is that um, they're longtime friends. Yeah. Um, and my guess is because she showed up with him so quickly, um, she was probably leaning on him in terms of the breakup. Mm. She was probably reaching out to him, probably talking to him. He probably was a great support system for her. Do you think it's gonna work out for them long-term? You know, I don't really know. I don't like to make those kinds of predictions. Uh, It's working out for them now. Um, She's going through the grieving process. I think I just read somewhere that she had every photo attempted to be removed from all social media, from all media in general, Mm -hmm. with her and A-Rod. So she's certainly going through a loss and she's grieving. Um, I think Ben is part of that grieving process. Um, And so my hope is that uh, um, she comes out of it okay, you know? Yeah. And that he's able to facilitate a, a, a supportive environment for her. So what is it about our exes that we gravitate towards, especially when we go through a breakup or we are in the grieving process? Like, is it comfort? Is it familiarity? Is it just the rebound of knowing that we have a history with this mm. person? Like, why do we go back to our exes? I'm ready well, to text mine. They understand your 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 brand of insanity. Mm. They get your 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 code of crazy. You don't have to do the interview gotta, process you, you again. Don't expl- you don't have to explain anything. Um, you don't have to meet. You don't have to meet someone new. You don't have to explain yourself. Um, and by the way, they probably know about what you were going through yeah. as well. So yeah. they become a supportive role in the grieving process. 
Um, and it's about, you're right, it's about the comfortability factor. Um, it's about um, feeling like you can be yourself. Do you believe in like that long lost love? Like, I feel like we all have like our first love. And then we think that like at some point we're going to walk into a coffee shop and there's going to they're going to be sitting across the room from us. And it's going to be like, oh, it's destiny. It's meant to be. It's, you know, Ryan Gosling in the notebook. And this is who I'm supposed to be with. Do you believe in that theory or do you believe that we evolve and our relationships kind of evolve with us and it's unhealthy to go back to those old flames? Well, you're saying two things. On the one hand, you're sort of describing this fantasy. So I definitely don't believe in that. Okay. Um, but people evolve and people change. And the person that you knew one year ago, five years mm. ago, 10 years ago, I feel like you're giving me this face, like I'm enabling you to text this ex. No, no, <laughs> but it's making me think about it. We evolve. And yeah. so, um, you know, your partner, your ex-partners evolve too, in right. some way or another. Um, they shift and they change. So to, to go back and try again, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Not at all. Nothing at all. So um, what is making you feel like... You want to text your ex. I think for me, first I'm... of all, can we not text and can we just talk about a phone call? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I think people are afraid. I like phone calls. I like FaceTimes. Like if I meet somebody on a on a dating site or a dating mm -hmm. app, I'm like before, mm -hmm. like let's do a FaceTime so I can yeah. make sure you know you actually look like what you look like. You have to be over 35 then. Yeah. Are you over 35? I'm not over 35. <laughs> I'm 28. <laughs> I'm 28. You're an old I, soul. You're an old soul. I mean, I must be. Um, well, you look like you're 18. So that's why you. I was like shooting for the stars. <laughs> I was like, are you, you've got to be old. Because only old people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, and there's theories about like people. Like, so, like, so for example, I mean, when was the last time you saw someone under 35 clapping and snapping to music? No. What? No. No. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen anymore. As soon as I see someone clapping and snapping, I'm like, okay, they're over 35. <laughs> I'm clapping and snapping yeah. and I'm almost 50. Yeah. So I, I get it. I get it. Well, anyway, we've gone off track. Go ahead. Um, I think for me, it's more of like I've gone through a challenging year um, or a challenging few years, but this year different in the sense that I lost my grandmother, who's basically like my mother. Mm. And I lost her a few months ago. It happened very quickly, very suddenly. Like one of the last, like, you know, you all have that family member that like, oh, you're like, oh my God, you've been dying for 20 years. When are you going? She was the complete opposite of that. Like we just thought she had so much more life left in her. And so being that she was the closest person that I had in my life and I have that absence, I'm in a weird place emotionally and dating wise, like I'm a little more guarded. I'm a little, I'm a lot more sensitive. And I think that's why I may be a little more guarded. So instead of having to get to know somebody new, it does feel a little comfortable to maybe resort to something that I knew prior. Mm. Um, you're saying two things. One is that you're going through a grieving process. Um, and I want to say that I'm very sorry to hear about your, your grandmother. Those relationships are are so special um, when we have those generational relationships. So uh, that's first of all. And so when we're grieving, because we've lost someone, and usually when we lose someone close, we also lose pieces of ourselves. Yeah. And that is science, by the way. So... When you are close with someone, you're exchanging chemicals. You're exchanging uh, biology with one another. And so when they die, a piece of you goes with them. And so it's only natural and it's only normal to want to turn to past or other permanent people in our lives to go through this grieving process with. So I get why you want to yeah. text this person. Um, but if that's the only reason, hmm. that wouldn't be good for him. Right. Right? It'd be a selfish reason to, to, to contact someone. Now, you could be straight up and call and be like, so yeah, I'm going through this loss. <laughs> um, you were a supportive person in my life. Right. And uh, hey, I'm here. Yeah, you I know? also <laughs> feel like he understood the relationship. Whereas like, I feel like, you know, as you get older, new people come into your lives, new friends, new friendships develop that not everybody fully understands your past and your history. Mm -hmm. So when you lose somebody that's so close to you, it's easy to lean on somebody that at least understood 
where you came from and what oh, that relationship meant. Absolutely. So he's a bridge yeah. between uh, you and the relationship. He he understood it. Um, do you have your phone with you? I do. Maybe you should call him. Let's uh, give him a call. Not right now. Yes, we're doing it right Dr. now. Dr. Feet. Oh, my God. That would be crazy. What, what, what's so crazy about that? We're talking about it. Why not do it? Just give him a call. Leave a message. Oh, my God. I don't even know if he would pick up. Who cares? You, what, you, what's his name? I can't say that on air. Yes, you can. You can give his first name. I'll, give his initials. RR. Oh. R squared. R squared. Okay. Which would really be four R's, but we'll let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Pete, this is how you get it to, how you get people yeah. vulnerable on your get show. Him, get him you, on the okay. phone. Just leave a message. What would I even say? Well, let's talk it out. What would you say? You've I been don't thinking know. about texting him. Fuck the text. You're going to call him. I feel like. Why couldn't you tell him what you just told me? Did I delete his number? What? Lies. I swear. Lies. There's no R. I mean, there's one RR, but that's my cousin. Hold on. Lies. I delete. I seriously don't have his number. Phone. I. Okay, RR, if you're out there, you know who you are. So you call us. Oh, my God. I was legit going to do it right now. Too. Zach there has to be a way to wants to talk number. to you, RR. Does he listen to your podcast? Maybe. The fact that you don't have his number. I deleted it. I didn't even RR, realize I deleted it. if you're it. listening, that's... don't pick up. That's a bad sign. Because this motherfucker doesn't even have your phone number. <laughs> I know I unfollowed him on social media and I blocked him for a bit at the beginning. I didn't realize I deleted his number, though. What, what caused you to me. block him? I didn't want the bridge anymore. Oh. I wanted to cut it off only because I feel like I knew what I wanted and he wasn't in the place where he was willing to give me that. And mm. we were really young at the time that, like, you know, I just don't think we were on the same page. He wasn't willing to give me what I wanted at the time, which was more of a commitment. Um, and he wasn't ready for that. Mm. Do you think you're ready for more of a commitment? Not right now. So you're going to call RR because he, you know, he's not ready for a commitment. You're not ready for a commitment. So this could be a perfect, this would be a match made in heaven. Maybe. Okay. okay Maybe. Just, just try to hash it out, you know? Okay. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. God, Dr. V, you're peeling back the layers of the onion. <laughs> We're having so much fun. I'm bummed that RR isn't in your phone. I'm surprised that RR isn't in my phone. I literally did not even realize I deleted that number. Oh my God. I delete a lot of guys, though, or I rephrase their names in my phone to say, like, doesn't value you or, you know, doesn't give you the time of day. And that's what I'll change their name in my phone to oh, so that's that if brilliant. I want to text them, that's what it says in my phone. Um feel like I've what a, a wonderful of piece of advice mm. for your listeners. Do do they know that you do that? No. What a wonderful piece of advice. Change the name to uh something about them yeah. that you weren't getting. Yeah. Before so you go and text. If and when they do reach out to me, I see that as doesn't value you as texting you right now. And it's like, oh, I know homeboy doesn't value me. I'm not going to respond to that text message. Mm. Well, we were just talking about people changing and evolving. Um, and I know that there are some people out there like, people never change. Yeah. You know, leopard doesn't change its spots. It actually yeah. does change its spots, by the way, scientifically. <laughs> so that's a bunch of bullshit. But um, people do change. Yeah. And they do evolve. And uh, to think that we don't, goes against every scientific theory in the universe. So people do change. So this 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 sentence that you've given someone is mm -hmm. a great tool to uh, keep your boundaries, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what this is about. Mm -hmm. It's about a boundary that you need to put up for yourself, a reminder of that. Mm -hmm. um, but also enough time goes by and sometimes people change. Okay. Well, I think a good example of that is the relationship that we see now with Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker. Is it? Is it a good example of that? Well, I feel like in terms of people changing, you know, and how new relationships can help unlock, you know, parts of you that you weren't necessarily ready for. We just saw them in the news. He was getting on a plane for the first time. He got in a, a massive a plane crash a few years ago and mm. had PTSD, wouldn't get on a plane again. Now he's dating Courtney. They're very obsessed with each other, heavy PDA in the in the media, but we saw that he was able to get on a plane for the first time in a long time. Shows his growth and evolution. What do you think of these two? Are they in it for the long haul? 
Is anyone ever in it for the short haul? I think some people are. If you're in the media yeah. and you're getting on a goddamn plane, mm -hmm. overcoming some of your greatest fears, yeah. are you in it for short-term gain? People are meant to connect. That is, that is what humans do. And despite what anyone is telling you, despite what the media wants to tell you, despite what dating sites, despite how anyone wants you to make you feel less than so you don't believe that, I'm here to tell you that that's bullshit, that we are put on the planet for human connection mm. and for human love. And everyone is in it for the long haul. Are they in it with you for the long haul? I don't know. Yeah. But at the end of the day, everyone wants to connect yeah we are meant for coupling period are we meant for monogamy now that <laughs> is a great great question um everyone's ethics are different yeah i mean a term that i'm hearing a lot is ethical non-monogamy i'm what hearing does that mean? ethical non-monogamy means that you would be with your partner and you would have an a, a, an understanding um that you would not be monogamous and the ethical part is the understanding mm. is that you're not betraying someone you're not lying about it i have neighbors like that i've been trying to let them to get me to allow me into their threesome mm -hmm. because i've interviewed them about their relationship and i'm in love with their relationship but now i'm like can i come into the relationship for like a night and they're like mm, you're a neighbor it's too close to home but i'm like i can move well <laughs> i mean it might be worth moving for you never know <laughs> We'll see. But what do you think about PDA? Because I feel like Courtney and Travis, like their social media presence and their paparazzi presence are so aggressive. Um, do you like PDA? Is it a healthy sign of a healthy relationship? Or is it like we're trying to prove something to the world that maybe it's a little rocky in the foundation? Every relationship is different. Every dynamic, how people feel uh, the level of comfort they feel with one another in their own bodies with that other person in their body, mm. it varies. So on the one hand, you might have a couple that shows a lot of PDA. On the one hand, you might have a couple that's very uncomfortable. And then sometimes there's one who's comfortable with it and one who's not, and that is a conflict in the relationship. Um, so every dynamic is different. Apparently their dynamic is one where they feel super comfortable with it. Apparently, I mean, seeing his his hands on her butt so often is so aggressive for me. Is it? I'm like, he can put his hands on my butt, but like, <laughs> give her a break. <laughs> um, okay, I want to talk about Tom Girardi and Erica Jane because that's one couple that like my audience is obsessed with, and we break down their kind of legal scandal every mm. week. But in watching this current season, so just to preface, he's going through a big embezzlement um, scandal. They're looking into you know what crimes he actually committed. She was married to him for 20 years. She recently divorced him and people are really kind of scrutinizing her thinking she was just as culpable and just as guilty as he is. And so as we're watching this current season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills play out, it looks like she, there's like a natural, as the scandal was breaking before all the details that we now know of at the beginning of the scandal, as it was breaking and they're filming it, it seemed like there was part of her that wanted to protect him a little bit, um, despite knowing the things that he's now being accused of. When you've been with somebody for that long, is it natural to want to continue to protect them, even though they're now seemingly being painted as this mm -hmm. awful criminal in mm -hmm. the press? Yeah, it's very normal and very natural to want to protect those we love. Um, but you have to decipher between um, protecting someone and then perhaps being trauma bonded with them. Mm. There's, they're very different. So um, knee-jerk reaction to protect a husband, a wife is very natural. I mean, I mean even, even a, a, an ex, yeah. um, someone that we've shared so much of our life with. Is it natural though when we feel like, cause I mean, she's the role she's seemingly playing is like the last 20 years of our marriage was a lie. I didn't realize you were committing these crimes behind my back. Mm. So is it possible to have that element of protection while also feeling betrayed by this person? Oh, absolutely. Okay, explain um, that to me. The, the, we're under this impression that um, <clears throat> we feel one thing and then we feel something else and we feel something else, like one, one feeling at a time. Mm. And the bottom line is that we feel multiple feelings. 
we have hybrids of emotions. You certainly can feel protective of someone and betrayed by them. Um, and that could certainly be happening for her. So yes, it is very possible um, and it's very human to do. Do you think relationships like theirs where you have a very young, pretty woman and then you have a much older, successful man, do you think those relationships can work out? Well, we see them break up in the news often in well, celebrity culture. As of 60 years ago, they were the norm. <laughs> it's it's true. It's called it's, a, it's it's I mean for centuries we've have something called a beauty status exchange. Yeah. Where a man would exchange his status for a woman's um beauty/fertility. So that has been the main marriage shitty setup uh for both men and women for centuries. Mm -hmm. Um up until 60 years ago, really. It, it was the norm. And, and to some extent, we see it still today. Um, what I would love to see is more older women mm. with younger men. Because when you see that, if you see a beauty status exchange, what that means is that what we're seeing is that um, an equitable distribution of resources among women as well. So currently, all the resources are with men. So then they're exchanging beauty and uh, beauty and fertility, you know, flip that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a whole new world. And at the same time, society, oh, what we'll say about a woman who's with a younger man. I mean, <sighs> look at us. Look at how we reacted to Megan Fox and, and, and uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's four years older than him. For God's sake. They're a hot couple. They really are a hot couple. I like them. I like Megan Fox. Yeah, me too. So, okay, so you're saying that they can work at the relationship like that oh. can work out under what circumstances? Like what headspace? Because like I'm ready. Zach, I'm, they're, I've they're been... in the relate that they've been working out. That's okay. been the norm okay. for centuries. I feel like I always date older, and I like dating older. Um, oh, I didn't know that about you. Is yeah. R is RR older? He was older by a year. But again, we were really oh, young. So, when so we, the answer is no. Yeah, You're no, the same not age. really. Yeah, we were the same age. And then, you know, I realized I'd like, an, like, I don't, I didn't like dating guys in their 20s when I was in my early 20s. Like, it just, we were, I just had a different headspace. But so I like an older guy. I like a taller guy. I like a guy that can kind of put me in my place a little bit. Um, I mean, does that mean I have daddy issues? Like, what is my attraction no. to somebody no. older and, and more successful? And I just want to point out the term daddy issues. I hate that term. Mm. Because what it implies is that you are to fault for the male figure in your life not showing up. Mm. I don't like that term. Mm -hmm. um, so no, you don't have daddy issues. Um, <laughs> Good to know. You but, heard it here first. <laughs> but I, I, I think what I'm hearing you say is that... Um, you're as you were asking me about another couple where the age gap was large because you yourself enjoy yeah. a large age gap. And um that's a wonderful thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, if that is what you're attracted to and that is what excites you, then there's nothing wrong with that at all. So this summer, I joined Seeking.com, which is basically an empowered dating site for elite singles worldwide, like myself, because like, look, listen, I am no drive through burger. I am a USDA certified organic premium grass fed steak, and I need a man with a pellet for the fun of things in life. I've done all the dating apps and like, I'm over it. I'm just ready for like a more elevated approach to dating. No more emotionally unavailable dudes, no more unemployed guys with no ambition and no sense of direction. Listen, I am here to build an empire and I need somebody that's got that same mindset. So I, I went, I set, my, set up my profile. Yes, boys, you can find me there right now. And I'm ready for a guy that can hold it down. You know what I mean? Maybe someone experienced in business that can help me with a little mentorship. And look, if you've got a private jet, I ain't complaining. So if that's you and you want to join me, go to Seeking.com. Or if you want to join me on this journey of love yourself, join Seeking.com and let me know. What are you seeking? Because yeah, I also feel like I just signed up for a dating, this dating website called Seeking.com. And I just decided that I was done with like the dating apps because it's so superficial. It's so quick. It's swipe left, swipe right. And you have so much riffraff on the dating apps too that I was like, I need a service that's like, 
you know, concierge, feels, <laughs> a little more concierge, <laughs> but like it's also curated towards like people, men that are successful and older. Cause I feel like, like if I'm coming to the table with a full plate, then I don't want, you know, some Starbucks barista, nothing against Starbucks barista. I fuck plenty of them and they're great in bed. Um, but like, I need somebody with ambition and somebody that has like goals ahead of themselves. Like if you're a barista now, because you're working to pay for college or, you know, you're working a side hustle and you need supplemental income, that's fine. But I don't like you know, wishy-washy, I don't really know what I want. So I'm just kind of on a dating app just to like hook up. Like I want to come at dating with more of an objective. Uh, well, you've just told me a lot about yourself mm. because what you're looking for in this possible new partner, you now have within you mm. and you want that. Mm -hmm. um, Is that a bad thing? That's a great thing. Oh, I that's thought you were going to call me a narcissist. No, no, not at all. If you want someone who exudes some confidence, who has mastery over their environment, um, who's determined, what I'm hearing you say is you have these things yourself and you're looking for that too. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Um, I think our wants um, will often reflect uh, how we are evolving in our own lives. Mm. Like, I feel like I'm ready for like a more elevated dating approach. You know, I don't want to date. Like, I feel like I've done enough dating for like the sport of it and gone on different dates with different types of guys to like get to know different types of guys and see, you know, which of the Baskin Robbins flavors I enjoy most. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, I, I'm interested in coming at it from a more um, conscious place. And I feel like a lot of people are afraid of asking them or being open about what it is that they like and what it is that they want. Well, you don't seem to be that way. Not me, but I feel like yeah. in general, that's the place that I was coming from was like, you know, I was afraid to ask for the things that I want because I, you know, didn't know if I myself amounted to that. Well, I mean, you might have been afraid to ask for the things that you wanted because you weren't sure you'd be able to get them. That's another good point. Yeah. And so now what I'm hearing you say is uh, you have the things that you want for you already. Yeah. So getting your wants from someone else is less important to you. How do we define what we want versus what we actually need from a partner? Because mm. I feel like we can say, oh, I want X, Y, and Z. But if that's not what we actually need because we haven't done the actual internal work to figure out where we are emotionally and mentally, how do we decipher wants from needs in, in relationships? When we don't know ourselves uh, very well, often what we want and what we need is inversely proportionate. Mm. So uh, I'll give you an example. Um, when I was younger, um, I thought that I needed someone with a lot of outward passion <laughs> and a lot of fire. I thought, because that's what I grew up with. That's yeah. what was around me. And yeah. I thought that I needed that. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I mean, could you see me with somebody like that? That relationship would be over. <laughs> so my husband of 24 years now, he's not outwardly uh, fiery. Mm. He's not outwardly, uh, I mean, he keeps it very close to the best. So what I needed was for someone to help me kind of calm down a little bit, put mm. my fire out a little bit and give him a little bit of fire. So what I thought I wanted, that never would have lasted. Mm. What I needed was balance yeah. in my relationship and within myself. So um, you have to really tease that out for yourself. What are your wants and what are your needs? And oftentimes what you want is what you're comfortable with. Mm, what not necessarily you need, what we need. Exactly. What you need is a, probably a little bit discomfort, discomfort. Is that why I keep going back to the fuck boys that leave me on red? Um, what you need is consistency. Mm. And what you're confusing, I think, and this might, you, I mean, you can tell me I mean, you don't have to tell me if it's I'm right or wrong now, or you can just give it some thought. Oftentimes we confuse intensity for love mm. and they are not the same. The intensity of your emotion is not the depth of love you feel for someone. Okay. We confuse those two things. So 
I don't necessarily know if I like the term fuckboys. We hear it a lot yeah. in media. I think there's like some a show named Fuckboys. Yeah, and fuck I boy hate Island, that because yeah. what what it ultimately does is set up a power dynamic. Right. That you somehow are better than this other person. other person. And so I'm hearing you use that term a lot. And I have to ask, um, is that a need for control? Like to, what? Call, to refer to them as yeah, that or yeah. to date them? Maybe. Uh, both, to refer. Maybe, I, it sounds like maybe it's a way for me to protect my ego by saying, even though I was rejected by this person, it's easier to dismiss them as a fuckboy rather than it is to accept the fact that this person may have not been interested in it. Right, me. okay, so I'm right. It's an ego mm -hmm. term. It's a term built from ego, which never gets us anywhere, but go ahead. <laughs> I love my ego though, Dr. V. That's why I bleached my hair yeah, for seven your hours. Ego is helpful in so many situations. Um, and then it's harmful in so many situations, right? Yeah. So I feel like the pattern that I've caught myself in is going after guys that are not available or that don't want a commitment. And I mm -hmm. seem to like to go for the chase. Mm -hmm. I like to go after somebody that kind of runs away a little bit because I want to conquer that. Mm. Well, I uh, have a theory about that. Mm. And I I think that you, amongst so many other people, don't believe that you're worthy of love. Mm. And so that when you receive love from a potential partner, it feels yucky, it feels icky, they're not good for you, they're not good enough for you. Meanwhile, they're the person loving you. Mm. They, they're, they're the person giving you what you need. Um, and so I think it comes down to a worthiness issue, that you are worthy of love. You are worthy of everything that you want and everything that you need. Um, so I just want to pass that along to you today. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I feel like LA is such a hard city to like find that that worth though. You know, I feel like we're so or in the media, in the news, on podcasts, on social media, we're often, you know, sent these messages of not being worthy enough or you need this product to feel more worthy or you need this treatment to make yourself look better. Mm -hmm. How do we sift through all that noise to find that worth? Mm. It's a process and it's a journey, right? Um, but I love uh, being able to inject people with confident vulnerability. Mm. So when you're in the dating world and you're dating or you have a partner, confident vulnerability will get you further faster. So for example, um, in today's dating world, there's this strange assumption that the person who cares less wins. Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you that the person who cares less gets less. Mm. Where else would you apply this theory in your life? Would you apply it to your work situation? Care less, you'll get a raise. Would you apply yeah. it to a family member? Care less. You would never, you would never. Why are we applying this to our relationships in the dating world? So my advice is always counterintuitive care more, care more confidently. Who cares when you call or when you text back or if they don't text back, if you can confidently be vulnerable and you will get information if this person is right for you or not, or not much faster. Yeah. So you don't waste three weeks. Well, it's interesting. The reason I ended up going on Seeking was because I had the founder of Seeking on my podcast. And he was saying that, um, you know, one of the things that helped him in his current relationship and in past relationships was kind of just having the willingness to own what it is that you actually want from a partner or what you want in life in general. Um, but why do you think so much so many of us are afraid to kind of exude that confidence and be like, this is what I want? You know, be it superficial or be it emotional, like whatever those needs and wants or desires are, why are we so afraid culturally to just ask for them or kind of exude that confidence? You'd be ter you're terrified of being rejected. Mm. Because vulnerably confident means that you would be vulnerable <clears throat> in a way where you could easily be rejected. But isn't it more painful when you're confidently vulnerable and then you get rejected? Uh, no, what, well, of course, I'm not taking the pain factor out of it. What you're getting out of it is that 
you've gotten information from the other side much sooner. Mm. So you're not wasting a yeah. month playing the dating games because the dating games end when you stop playing them. Mm -hmm. So be when you're confident and you're vulnerable, you know that there's a possibility you're gonna be rejected and you know you're gonna get through it. Mm. And you know you're gonna survive that. And you know that it's a painful feeling that you're gonna get over. So the confidence really exudes from all aspects, but it's of the ability to be vulnerable um, in a confident way. So sometimes people are vulnerable, but they're not really vulnerable. They're like kind of needy. Mm. And so some people get turned off by that, right? Cause it isn't, it isn't being vulnerable. It's you're not confident. So what's the difference between being vulnerable and being needy? Like if you're vulnerable and saying, I need more attention from you, couldn't that also come across as a little needy though? Hey, I really like you and I would love to spend more time with you. If you're down for that, let me know. And if you're not, let me know. I get it. I understand how this game works. Mm -hmm. And I wanna take away all of that nonsense and just distill it down to how you're feeling. Because I wanna let you know, I can accept that. Boom. Boom. I feel like I, there's also though this idea, and I think one of, or my theory is part of one of the reasons so many people are afraid to commit younger is we have this idea of what a perfect partner is supposed to be. And a perfect partner is supposed to check all the boxes and meet all of my emotional needs. But in talking to older couples that have been in relationships for a really long time, a lot of them have told me that you're not gonna have all your boxes checked with an idea, with a, a long-term match. What is your take on a lot of us waiting for that perfect sort of relationship or that person that really meets all of our needs? Is that an unrealistic? Do you think you're perfect? I know I'm perfect. Okay. <laughs> I know that I am terribly, terribly yeah. flawed. Yeah. And I expect my partner to be the same. Mm. So why are you holding people to a standard of perfection that you yourself cannot meet? Interesting. What an asshole thing to do. <laughs> it's true. There is no such thing as a perfect person. There is no such thing as a perfect relationship. And we have to uh, get out of that mindset. And I'm hearing so many people talk about what they are not getting, mm. what they want, what they need. It's like what they want to take from the world. You got to turn that shit around. What can you give back? Mm. What do you have to offer someone? What can you get? How do you know how to love someone else? It's so interesting. I feel like I have that perspective when it comes to work. And I would often run into people who are like, oh, well, I need to make sure this company's giving me benefits or this company's paying me more money or all this. But I'm like, but what value do you bring to the company? And when you bring value to the company, the company's going to take care of you at the end, at the end of the day. And I feel like that's maybe a smarter approach to have with relationships as well is to see what you bring to the table to... Well, I mean, we're not asking ourselves, we're sitting here asking ourselves, we're talking about how we can get our needs met by other people. And I urge you um, to ask yourself how you can meet the needs of others around mm. you. Um, it's really important to be able to know that you can meet the needs of others, that you want to understand other people, that you're just not looking to take from the world. Um, and when you come at it from that place, it's just a slight different perspective. Mm. It's a, just a slight shift. Do you think that that comes from like a level of emotional maturity or can anybody operate from that space? Because I feel like you have to really do some inner work and you also have to make sure you're meeting your own needs as well before you're able to kind of fill somebody else's cup. Relationships are cooperative. Mm. So if you don't know how to cooperate with someone, you're alone. If you know how to cooperate, they're cooperative in nature. That's what a relationship is. Yeah. It's cooperation. Um, that's what humanity is, by the way. That's why we have survived 
over the centuries. Mm -hmm. It's because of our ability to cooperate. So in a relationship, you have to remember that your relationship is cooperative. So that means not only do you have needs, not only are you looking to check off these silly boxes, um, but do you have, do you know how to love someone? Do you know how to care for someone? Do you know what that looks like? Or is it a codependent relationship? Have you, your relationships been more about codependency? Have it more about trauma bond? That it wasn't really about you loving that person. It was about that your fear of them leaving you. Mm. So you have to be able to ask yourself some really hard questions. Um, just as a person, fuck having another person in your life. Yeah. Just as a human being about yourself. I feel like you're drunk now. I'm not drunk. <laughs> I'm processing. I'm trying to understand how I can be a better dater, Dr. V. A better dater. A better dater. Right, a yes. A more conscious dater and a better dater. I feel like a lot of us are afraid to ask for what we want. We're afraid to... I think a lot of us jump into relationships when we're not even ready to, you know, when we haven't done a lot of that work and we are looking and it is a more codependent relationship or we're looking for somebody else to fix us or to fill all of the needs that or all of the check boxes that we should probably be checking for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's counterintuitive. You're ready for a relationship when you don't need it. Mm. So if you're sitting at home longing for a relationship, wanting to be in a relationship, you're not ready. Because when you're ready for a relationship, your life is full. Is that why they say it happens when you're least expecting it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't buy any of this bullshit. I don't buy any of these phrases. You know me. So, I know you. Um, but it's counterintuitive. Okay. You're ready for a relationship when you don't need one. Yeah. Fair. You're always so good at giving. I know you hate all the quotes and the woo-woo mantras on Instagram, but you're so good at giving us the straight advice and sifting through the bullshit. So I want you to give my listeners and viewers right now a bit of advice with just the climate that we're in culturally. I feel mm. like it's very divisive and mm. everybody is not willing to find a common ground or not willing to hear out somebody that may have an opposing viewpoint. I find it happening with myself just talking about fictitious reality TV bullshit. You know, people in the comments get so heated. Do you have any advice for how we can kind of just show up with a little more empathy for other people and understanding? Or do you think that, you know, if somebody doesn't agree with us, maybe it's healthier to detached? Hmm. Well, you have to ask what kind of human you are. We're kind of circling back to the theme of this podcast, um, how to love others, mm -hmm. right? How to care for other people. Um, if you have a deep-seated need to be right, disengage mm. immediately. Mm. Know that about yourself, that you're going to be in a head-pounding argument that you don't need that day. You yeah. don't need your uh, nervous system to take that on. Yeah. So if you feel like you have a need to be right, disengage. If you're the kind of person that day, because we change from day to day, where you don't have that need to be right. You're, you're able to listen. You're able to hear. You're, able, you're, you're, you're questioning. You're curious. Um, then hang in there. Listen to what the other person has to say. You know, I also want to tell you about the bystander effect. Do you know what that is? No. So the bystander, the, the bystander effect is... Um, until one person shows love and compassion, people will hold back. Be that person, mm. be that leader. Give that space. Give that space. So the bystander effect, you'll see, um, perhaps I'll, I'll give you an example. A man's being beat up on the street. Someone will jump in. Mm -hmm. And then everybody jumps in. Right. But everybody stands around when not when there's not one person who will lead the charge. Right. So you have to decide, do you want to be a bystander or do you want to be a leader? And by the way, the world needs bystanders. We need those. We, we need that. You're allowed to stand by. Yeah. Um, and maybe you could be both. And maybe you need to negotiate when you stand by and when you're a bystander and when you're a leader. Mm. So it's all about 
knowing yourself, knowing when to jump in and when not to. Do you feel like too many people jump in because they just need that validation of being heard? Okay, so if we're talking about social media, people are jumping in because other people jumped in. Mm. Now they're down for the fight. Yeah. Because they saw someone else was on their yeah. side. I rarely see, rarely see a thread of one opinion. And then it's like a thread of all likes, 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 or agreement, 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 agreement. And then there's that one person who just doesn't agree. Mm. I rarely see that. It's true. You know? So- Again, it goes back to, are you a bystander? Are you someone who jumped in on the argument because somebody else did? Mm -hmm. And now you feel self-righteous that you're right. Yeah. So all of this is grist for the mill. All of this is information about yourself. Yeah. What kind of human are you? Um, and you have to know that in and order to be able to either disengage or be or or jump in. I think one of the pieces of advice that I remember you giving me years ago was, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Yeah. Oh, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And I always <laughs> want to be both. But I always choose happiness. I'm learning how to choose happiness over being right. Because you have to realize like a lot of times, a lot of people don't want you to be right. They just want to validate their own sort of perspective or opinion. And so going into a into a uh, conversation with them isn't going to get you anywhere because if nobody's willing to budge, then you're just going to be talking to a brick wall. The content doesn't matter. So when you're in an argument, remember that, that whether it's with a spouse, mm -hmm. whether it's with a relationship, whether it's with a person online, the content never matters. People just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. That is it. That is it. They just want someone to hear them. That's why I have a whole podcast. There you go. I just want people to hear me, Dr. V. There you go. <laughs> you found your place. There we go. Thank you so much. Everyone needs to buy Dr. V's book, Bad Advice, How to Survive and Thrive in the Age of Bullshit, because you're very good at combating the bullshit. It's an LA Times bestselling book, number one, right? Yep. You have your new podcast, The Tea with Dr. V, available on all podcast platforms. Follow Dr. V at Dr. underscore V underscore on the Instagram. Anything else you have to pimp out, Dr. V? That's all I got. Thanks you got for a having me. Best selling book. Thank you for having me podcast. on. I really appreciate it. I love, I love our conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming back on. I think this is your third time here. Oh yeah, and I always have such a great time. I, I mean, now I know that I can come back for Rose, so I'll be back more if you'll have yeah, me. Yeah, I'm getting everybody Liddy City every time they come in studio now. Thank you guys for listening to hashtag No Fields with Zach Peter. You can give me a follow at Just Plain Zach on the Instagram, or you can follow the podcast at No Fields with Zach. It's always a good time. We have funny memes and hot tea spilling every single day. You can um, slide into my DMs. They're wide open. And as Dr. B now has me emotionally ready to date. I don't actually, I don't want a relationship. It's going to come to me in the right time. Right, Dr. B? When you're ready. When I'm ready. When you're ready. Am I ready? Is that the conclusion? Uh, do you want to be in a relationship? If the answer is yes, you're not ready. I was going to say no. <laughs> well, then you're ready. Oh, no. Did that means it's actually coming. <laughs> I take that back. No, I'm kidding. Um, give Dr. V a follow. Give me a follow. And stay tuned. Lots more tea to spill. Hashtag no filter with Zach Peter. Every Monday, we have news breakdowns and Wednesday unfiltered interviews. Get ready. I'll talk to you guys live this Thursday on Instagram. And be sure to join our, our new book club every Tuesday on Instagram. Slide into my DMs. I'll give you the deets. And don't forget to pick up some of my new Housewives Watching Wine on sale now at nofilterwine.com. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye.